Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is the first one of 2021. I meant to release this a few days ago, but I was caught up with a little bit of other work. First off, I wanted to say thank you to some of the new people who have pledged on Patreon to support us. Thanks to Kim Walter, Kia Kurtenbach, and Dan Shaw for supporting the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to any of our shows, whether it's More Than Running with Dana Giordano, Runners of NYC, Running Things Considered, consider supporting us. We've got a Patreon page in the show notes where you can make any sort of pledge for whatever feels comfortable to you, and we can keep going stronger and stronger with more episodes in the new year. You can also support us by picking up some cool merchandise. You can rep Sidious with a dope crew neck, hoodie, t-shirt. Visit SidiousMag.com and hit the merch tab for those options. My guest for today's episode is Wayne Kalati. She is a two-time NCAA Division I champion and a 13-time All-American out of New Mexico. She recently decided to forego the rest of her NCAA eligibility to turn professional and sign with Under Armour, and she's now training under the Dark Sky Distance Team in Flagstaff, Arizona. Wayne has an incredible story that really takes off after she competed for Eritrea at the 2014 World Junior Championships in Eugene, Oregon, and then... She decided not to get on the plane back home and start a new life in America. In this episode, you'll hear the story of how that all came together, how she settled into her life in Virginia, and her hopes of now one day competing for the United States at the 2021 U.S. Olympic Trials and beyond. I think you'll be blown away by some of the details behind the scenes of her story. So without further ado, here is Wayne Kalati. All right, and now we're joined by Wayne Kalati on the Sidious Mag podcast. Wayne, it's been a really good month for you. Uh, you turned professional. You got the Olympic standard. So uh, how's everything been with you? you know, it's been amazing. Um, it's been hard this year for everyone, but so far it seems great. And um, I feel like um, good things can happen during bad times too. So it feels amazing. Definitely. How how did you come about the decision to turn professional? Because you still had, I guess, what one more, one or two more seasons with New Mexico. Um, yeah, but um, I have one more season. Um, I was. I also have one more semester for school, but um, it never been easy when you make a new decision. But um, since the NCAA got canceled and there is nothing to look for, and I was like. This is an, a good opportunity that's happening right now, so I have to make a move and um, to just get a chance to run professionally and meet the um, the things that I want to uh, achieve um, by racing professionally and running some fast times. So. so with school, uh, did it mostly shift online? Yes, we have been um, going to school remotely, so... That's kind of, I don't know, it's a little change, but yeah, we are getting to that. How, when did you get out to, to Flagstaff? Because you've, it, like, I guess, judging from Instagram and seeing, you know, Haas' photos, you've been out there for, for a little while, right? So right now I'm still in New Mexico, but oh, okay. I kind of go back and forth. Sometimes I train there, sometimes I come back um, here, but it doesn't affect school-wise because we are going to remotely. so. Sometimes I go there and train with the team, and most of the time I spend it, I spend it here because I want to stay here until I finish school. That's awesome. Um, we'll touch on a little bit of your, your major and what you're doing at school in a little bit, but I want to go all the way back to sort of like the very beginning for you and growing up in Eritrea. Um, what do you, I guess, remember about like the first couple years of your life before running even started? Because, you know, for the listeners of this, like it's a heavy American audience. And so um, they probably don't have, you know, the, the greatest grip on like what exactly the situation has been like in Eritrea for, for years. But growing up, what was it like for you? So I grew up in a very different place. So a lot of people think it's like um, similar to this or um, something like that. But where I grew up was a little village, a farming place. Um, we would walk like um, two hours and our 30 minutes um, going to school. So we were little kids, but 
um, we will walk um, uh, far going to school. There is no transportation. And um, I remember when I was like the youngest from all the um, students, uh, students out there, uh, but I was very competitive in school. And um, so like we will run, compete going to school in our way. So um, I would never let them beat me, even the boys and girls. <laughs> I always wanna win. But um, yeah, I was kind of like more energetic kid uh, when I was in elementary and it was, very good childhood um but it was hard to hope for something different um we will go to school and um a lot of people they will stop at fifth grade so what we will see is oh we're gonna stop when we get fifth grade we don't think a, a little further so um for me thankfully i had a friend that um understands everything after i finish um, fifth grade um, it was hard and to move my, um, that was a, a little village that we lived just to um, get um, the farming, but we, we, we belong in different um, towns. Mm -hmm. So we had to move on to the town. Um, I left all my childhood friends out there. It was um, very hard, but I get used to it and also have a lot of courses to um, uh, switch school from region to region because I went to different region. So to transfer to my region was like a little hard for me. I maybe take five, six steps to process it. You have to take a letter from one office to, to other office. And you don't know that's gonna happen, but um, luckily I um, be able to make it. I start um, school um, that's called Hazega, um, which is, I used to live in Adivita, that's like, farming place too. Um, but as I said, there was nothing to hope for. All the girls, um, they will ask you like, just help your parents do you're gonna stop school soon. What do you have to go? So what do we have to spend this like, um, to buy books and uh, your uniforms going to school because you're gonna stop soon. So, but I was like, no, I'm gonna get to school and finish 12th grade, but it was like a, a little hard. So. Um, that's when I started running too, uh, when I was in sixth grade. So I didn't know about running anything, but um, I was sitting and watching. Um, so we had this, sport, we called it sport class, but it was physical education class. So we were sitting and I was watching these people playing um, soccer, we called football. And <laughs> so, um, and I was like, oh wow, this is like, nice but i just like i don't know anything i was just like sitting and my um teacher come, came to me and he said um you're gonna run that's like how you earn your grade so i was like i am not gonna run but i have to get this grade because i was in the top four students still and and i was like well i don't want to get zero so i ran but once i get into um the race i don't want to get um last or four seats i just want to get first so i beat everyone <laughs> Um, I came first place and my teacher was like, I think you're really good at this, you can continue running. And I was like, no, there's no way. So he kind of pushed me to start and I was like, no. And But he said, um, either you're going to kick out from school or you have to continue running and because they have more power. So I don't want to go to my parents and tell them because I didn't do this, my professor, uh, I mean, my teacher is going to kick me out from school, so I have to do it. Because if we tell our parents something, then you're going to get punishment. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just like decide to run and I'm making it an excuse, but it, the excuse doesn't work. So because he knows me, I always laugh when I uh, to say something that's not right. So he was like, no, 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 no. You know what? I'm going to. So I, I said I have some events I can at him. And he said, I'm going to go to the event with you and then you can come. So I was like, I had to come, no choice. So I went to different sub zone to run, but it was um, a little hard to continue um, running because um, people doesn't know anything about running. I will get a lot of reputation as a girl. And um, also it's like, there is no transportation that I can make it um, when they run eight o'clock in the morning. 
So I have to wake up three o'clock and walk 36 wow. kilometers from where I live. So one time it was my first race. I remember um, I had no running shoes. I was wearing a full um, pants and like wearing sandals and stuff. Um, so I woke up early o'clock in the morning and my mom was um, walking with me halfway because she couldn't send me. It's like unsafe to let me go by myself. So I had some friends and she woke halfway with us and she's a very caring person and um, she was like, I'm going to work up and go halfway. She, so she woke halfway. When it get lighter, she let us go and she go back home. But when we get there, um, so this kid who will be competing with us was like lived right there um, next to the track. It's like dirt track, but we call them tracks. So we don't have other tracks. We have one track in the city. so. Um, I remember I get there and I stand, they said, you're going to run 1500. And I was like, that 1500, how many laps? They, they said like three and a half or so. I was like, that seems hard. But I get there. I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to let the kids beat me because they've been sleeping while I was walking in the morning. So <laughs> I won first place. So they wanted me to continue going to the city to compete with other people. And I was like, wow, this is like, I thought this is going to be in here, but never stop. So <laughs> I just went there and I competed with the people who have been running for many years, six years. And I still got third place and that doesn't make me happy. Still, I went to win first place. But um, two weeks later, and they wanted me to come and compete for um, cross country to uh, like, cross-country time trails to be able to make it to nationals. So I was like, wow, this is running. So I just like started accidentally and then it just keep going. <laughs> and because that, so like when you get into the city, you know a little more about running, but you really have no idea what running means. You just like run. Um, so when I get there and um, it, we do the same thing. We walk um, five hours the race was done. The time trail was, <laughs> and when we get there, it was like a 30 minutes delay, I think. So they were already done. And uh, so we were there and their coach was there. Oh, the race is like already done. So, but what, what I'm going to do is, uh, we were three people uh, from the same town. And he said, oh, we can re run here, guys. If you get a good time, then uh, like one of you is going to um, nationals. So I have no idea. I just ran to finish it like really fast to the race, but I have no idea what what the time, what time I can run for 6K and how fast it can be a good time. So I just ran. I ran and I finished it 22 to 23 minutes. And he said, wow, this is like amazing. Um, this is the, like the runners have been um, coaching for, five, six years, just run the same time. So you're gonna run to nationals. I went to nationals, um, it happened the same thing. I was like, when is this race gonna start and just be done? But I have no idea how, um, how to run the race and how good runners can be races in that race. So I ran with them and I start, I was like, this is like, they're very fast runners, so they have a lot of experience. They've been running outside of Eritrea, World Championship, and other stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to keep up with them. Just let them go. And so I just, like, let them go. And when the race starts, like, 300 meter, I just jogging. And I see the coach. Their coach was standing. His, he was like, you're doing great. Keep going. And I was like, oh, people are cheering for me. I'm just going to push. So I just keep pushing. And all the runners, like, start getting tired and I keep <laughs> picking up and I catch a, a lot of runners and I was like around 50 place, but I got 13. I ended up finishing 13 place. So I was like, well, I never been good at this. So I got to stop running. But then um, my family said, like you run with the runners. That they've been training the entire of their life. You've been running with the runners. Um, have a lot of experience so you should continue this so um from that they just like trying to they try getting like more involved to help me get into the city 
So I was still in school and continued running. Um, I started practice with the runners. I feel um, I was walking up like five o'clock in the morning to catch six o'clock bus. We had an early bus because I was living um, close to the city and I had to catch this bus every morning. And sometimes there is two bus station. I will, if the bus, if I miss the bus from one station, I will run to the other station to catch the bus. <laughs> so five months later, I became a champion. Um, that's when it starts and I um, became more like in it. And then I said, this is what I love to do. And I start competing outside of Eritrea to present um, my country. Um, and that's what I realized running is important. It's amazing. And so it just reminds me of like the different stories I hear sometimes of like Edward Cheserick and how he used to run in Kenya from his home all the way to school. And he said it would be like a long distance. And so it's just so awesome to hear just sort of like that background story. And I'm kind of curious because at this point in the story that you're telling me, it sounds like everything was just so new to you. Like you were still learning about the sport and around the same sort of time, you know, Meb Kaflesgi is like a huge uh, sports star out of Eritrea, eventually became an American and now everyone knows who he is. And then Zersene Tedese had, you know, the half marathon world record. I remember watching like the documentary that they did for like Breaking 2 and they showed him at home and he was a little bit like of a, of a sports hero back at home. For you, you still didn't even know anything about Meb and like Tedese yet? So I didn't know about Meb, but I know about Tedese when I get to the city. Because um, I'll, I'll see his picture in our uh, notebook. So when we get it in school, and I was like, who's this guy? And my friends will tell me, there's an Tedese, what do you even do? And they said, they run, just run. So like, but when I started running, I was like, oh, this is the guy that they were talking about. So he is very famous. So I was like, when am I going to see him? But the good thing, I saw him first day um, when I came to race on the track. So we have one track and I saw him and he said, you're doing a great job. So if you keep uh, doing this good work and I'll give you spikes. I was so happy. Yeah. But um what I didn't did not know was about me. So I started getting to know him, um, like when I get to the city because we had a TV. So where I where I grow up, there was no TV, no internet. So I, how do I know? But when I start watching TV, and they said, you know, this guy, he is Eritrean, became an American, and he won. Um, it was like world champion or something. So they would show me the video. And I was like, wow, this is what I want to do for the, this is what I want to do for the future. Yeah. That's amazing. And what about, I'm curious, what about women sports figures? Like back home, did you have anyone that you really looked up to? So um, there is a few, so like a few women in the, like in the city. Um, but what I felt is like there is no equal opportunity for everyone else. Like in this town, like you have no idea. All you have to do is help your friends and parents um, to like cropping or going to farming and learn what your moms do at home. So even now, so like there is no um, much interest in school. But in the city, yes, there is like a few women that train, but you don't see them. Um, in the big stage, you know, there is like mm -hmm. only one or two women that have been competing in Olympics and World Championships. But um, there is no much um, in women. Mm -hmm. So to pick it back up to where you left off in the story, you start to get around the point of 2014. And for you, when the opportunity arises to run at the you at the World Junior Championships that year, which were being held at Hayward Field in Oregon, you know, you realize it's in America. The wheels in your head, do they start turning about this plan that you ended up executing or how, how did it happen? So, well, it's, it's hard. 
um, everything is like really hard back home. So um, I love running, but there was the times that I decided to stop running and just to quit running. So I said, I'm not gonna go back to running like anymore. Is this because 2013 or like when? Before 2014. Okay. Because a lot of things was wherever it happens, but like a lot of things was happening in my life. Um, I, I, like I was um, in the top runners and I try, like I always try my best. I always win the race, but um, I don't get the opportunity to go with championship or something. I, I, I get all the times and I became a champion, but um, so I didn't get the opportunity to race in World Champion. So that makes me uh, sad. And I was like, no, if I ran and I win and I complete everything what I want here inside the country, but if I didn't go to what I want, why I'm, what's the point that I'm working for? Or what, I'm, what is the point that I'm sacrificing to work hard or do something? So, but um, my family was like, no, you already did it. And then you're in the top. One day you're going to make it. So I was just like trying to uh, be positive, continue running. And that, that time, and I heard that I was invited to work something because I was um, the only junior and then had uh, time classification for world championships. So this was a time when I heard uh, that I'm going to run world junior championship. And I was so happy about that. But I said it this. Uh, I didn't tell everyone, uh, like anyone else. I didn't tell even my family, but I'm going to go there, but I'm not going to come back. So um, I came here and I never, um, I, I never get upset about my decisions. And I feel so happy that I made it. Mm. Yeah. Why did why did you make that decision so so quickly? Or what fascinated you, I guess, about staying? Well, so I told you, it's like everything is hard back home. So um, I was hopeless at the time when I was back home. So I knew it. Um, I'm gonna do something with running when I stayed here, and also. I can be more safe. So that's why I have to make my decision. And because I was 17 at the time that I'm going to grow, I'm going to be 18. And I did not think that things will be easier when I grow up, even it's going to be hard. So I was like, this is the time and I have to stay here. How much of a secret did you have to keep this? Well, so I was just like, walking normal and I didn't talk to anyone else I didn't even tell my family but when I got to um in the in the United States I knew that I I landed to um, I think we had a transit in New York City or something to go Oregon that's when I start talking about it and I said they're not gonna take me back from here so I'm staying here um was it scary yes um I would say not so like I did not know a lot of things what can happen to me or what to do on how you're gonna um get it done this but I would just like so I was just thinking that it's gonna be similar uh where I grow up it's just like um being with someone will be safe but when I start knowing about it it's like different you have to have someone to stay with if you're gonna stay here so I was like wow this is harder than I thought but um, I just, I went to um, the track and I find some people and I decided to live with them, so. Yeah, eventually I read that you found like your third cousin in like Virginia. But before before we get to that, like how much of this was like, it, was it stressful to, to think about, I'm going to stay in the United States, but you're also there to, to run at this world championship and like try and like compete well and maybe, you know, earn a medal. Did that, did that weigh on you, like, sort of as you were knowing that I'm going to make this big life decision, but first I got this race to run? Yeah, I, I feel like it, it was hard because um, it was like 
two days away from my race and it's, it's World Championship. And also, I lost my suitcase that has no clothes or running shoes with me. <laughs> and at the same time, I was thinking that I'm not going back home. I have to find someone else. So I just, I don't sleep like this days. And still I said, I am gonna race, but I'm gonna make, um, so I already make a decision, but I'm gonna make my way after my race. So I decided to stay calm as possible. And I try, I try to process it, everything, because I know that I'm not going to see my family. Um, I don't know for how many amount of time. So I was like, I tried to process at the same time. I was so strong and I said, you know what, if I did this, I'm gonna live a good life and I'm gonna save my life and make my family's life better than it was. So I tried to focus on the race. Um, of course, it affected my performance a little bit, but I was so happy that I'd be able to run and how is the behind the scenes like when you connected with you know that cousin was it just on like facebook or like whatsapp how did you find him so i was just like um so i found two people that was um caring for us so they have no idea they just hear the um a few airstream runners are coming to compete so they were living there and they said oh yes so we're gonna be there support them and i ran into them because I saw them, they were holding air train flag, and I said, I'm going to stay here. May I go with you? And they said, well, are you sure? Like, we're, we're happy to keep you safe and um, because we don't want to um, anything happen to you. But just think about it and let us know. And I said, yes, I already decided. And I was going to stay with them. But um, so I knew that I have some cousins when I was back home, but you don't know how you're going to con- connect them or like how you're going to find them. So I was like in Facebook one time and I found another cousin and that he was um, back home to visit family. So I don't know what to do. So they were like, my parents was like really worried and what's going to happen to me. And um, they tried to call different um, cousins and family members that live in the United States. So um, they called him and he called me. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because he figured out like somehow and he was like, do you want to come with me? I heard you're staying here. I don't want you like, um, I don't want something happen to you. And this is different. So I want you to come home. And I said, yes. So that's like, the time that I figured out I have a cousin here and I have to. How was your family's reaction to the first thing I guess, I guess like that they heard was just that you didn't get on the plane to go back. Um, just kind of remind me what those days were like where it's sort of like you're still planning out the, the next move, but you just didn't get on the plane. And so now are they starting to worry? Like how, how crazy was that? So um, my family knows that I I was always like independent. And when I said I'm going to do something, I never go back uh, or I never. Um, so like, I just, I just didn't go back and say like, oh, I should have to do something. I didn't change my mind. So when I said something, I have to do it. So when I get here and they were like worried, what's going to happen to me? But also they said, well, this is like her decision. I know it's gonna be hard for all of us. And they just like wait for the times that um, when we heard from her. So when I got to my cousin's house, I had to call them right away. And I said, I'm safe, I am with my cousin and just like not worries. So even it was like hard when I got here, it's like you have to do you have to go through a lot of things but all i have to tell them is i'm fine they did not know anything what i have got through where i have to get to um um like ask asylum and stuff they didn't know anything about it 
So all I have to tell is I'm like, I'm doing well. I am fine. I'm safe. So don't worry about me. As so. a set, as a 17 and like 18 year old, I guess, like in this, in this time period, um, was it, were you just learning as you go? Like you, the, the whole process for asylum and that kind of stuff. Like how, how did you go about learning that? Yeah. I mean, so first, like it will be hard to just like, everything is new for you. But then when I started learning about it, I was just like, yes, I have to do this. And it's, it's funny because um, you can't believe how uh, quickly I learned about everything. I was just like, sometime um, my cousin, um, the third cousin that uh, he um, uh, let me stay with him um, was um, trying to help me, but he was working um, from three o'clock in the morning and entire day. So he will come back home like eight or nine. So what I will do is I'll take the buses. I'll take the buses to go to the um, immigration or like to the asylum office by myself. And he was like, I told you I was going to take it. I said, I just want to get it done right now. So I just like every time when you do something, you learn new things. Um, the good thing is you will never forget um, because it's like a part of your life. Because school is so important to you back in Eritrea, how soon did you want to enroll in school here in uh, the United States? Because I guess you enter sort of, you know, that high school period and you had already told me about how this one, you already made one change in school back at home. Uh, and now this is like an even bigger sort of change. Were you excited for it or like nervous to, to get into the American school system? So this was like a, another whole story. So when I was in elementary, I said I was like very competitive, but um, until sixth grade and seventh grade was, it was fine. But from that, um, I'll see uh, my mom's, my mom working really hard. And I listened like I lost interest in school at the time so it was hard for me going to school and why I seen her working so hard so I just like will help her um wherever she does like in the farming but I wasn't like really interested to school and I I just like I wasn't competitive as I used to be so um when at the time I stopped school in 10th grade when I was back home, when I got here, and I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "No, I'm not going to school. I'm just gonna find a job to help my mom." So, um, I it's like I'm so thankful that my cousin pushed me at the time, and he will talk to me like every day about this. And I said, "No, I'm not going to school. Just find me a job. I'm gonna help my mom." And he said, "No, you're young. You're going to school, and I'm gonna find you a part-time job. You're gonna help your mom." Just in school, I was trying to help my mom, and but I have no idea what to do with the running side. So he he tried to talk to me like almost every day, and um, it was like two two weeks later, and he took me um to some high schools, just like to see if they have um place for registration and to um continue school and. I went to Tuscarora first day because I went to school with my cousin. I, ha I had a little cousin and they said they closed reg registration. And my cousin was like super worried because he wanted me to go to school. And I went to Heritage and they said, yes, um, we have, um, like we still have the space. We're gonna um, register her just like all you need is um, to bring her transcript from back home. But that was complicated to do it. I had no with me. How do I ask my parents to send to me or something? So that's why they placed me in ninth grade. I took the exam. I, I was nervous. I was like, English was like the first time that I was learning. And when they give me the exams, I have no idea what to do with it. So I took the re replacement exam and I, they placed me in ninth grade. And that's how it starts. But yes, school was hard. First day of school, I couldn't sleep. I was like, what's going to happen in school? So um, still, 
this is a fun part of it. So back home, we don't change classes. So 14 subjects, we have to stay in the same class. But when I went to school here in America, you have to switch classes every subject. So at one time, I was sitting in the class, and I I'm I was already done with one subject, but like I had, I just I was sitting, and other students came in, and like the, the students with me was like going to a different class. I was just sitting there, and this class was an English class, I think it was highest level English class. So they were working, and the professor was talk, the teacher was talking that she gives them homework and stuff, and I have no idea what to say. And she said, did you do homework? And I was like, no. Like, how did you come in this class? And I, I have no idea. I'm just sitting. So my um, teacher, so like the ELL classes, that's what they call it, I think. So she was super worried, and she was looking for me all around the classes in school. And she told them they had to call my uh, family and stuff. And finally, she found me. She was like, where were you? And she was like about to cry. She was like, I couldn't find you. It was worried. And I was just sitting in one class. So it was a little complicated to get used to the process. I love reading stories about how, you know, the professional baseball players, basketball players here in like the United States who come from like other countries, like maybe South American countries, they'll learn English from like watching TV shows. It's, it could be like Friends or like uh, Cheers or something on TV. How did you sort of pick up, you know, English? Because now listening to you, I mean, it's just like, it's great. But what was that process like for you? So um, first I was like, I have no idea. So I didn't understand what people were saying. And I know I can read, I can write. But the problem is like, I cannot communicate with people. So all I have to do is just like watch them what they do. So it was hard for me. And I decided to uh, learn uh, quickly as possible. So I had to um, watch a lot of um, videos that like how, so they will teach um, how to, um, I think this is called native speakers or something like that, uh, a website that they will show you how to pronounce things and they will teach you how to um, communicate with someone um, else and also they will teach you how to make a sentence because you will know the vocabulary but you don't know how to make a sentence so <laughs> and they will teach you so I've been watching this like every day so I have to read a book a lot of books I remember my freshman year I read like about um, 700 pages like seven books or something like that um, and then also, um, every time I hear something from someone, I have to go and Google it and um, take, take it in dictionary. And then also I had a friend, um, high, high school friends also. So they will teach me during their lunchtime and help me. Um, so like when I do mistakes, I will tell them like, can you correct me when I say something? So they will do that. It was it was great. They helped me a lot to learn English. That's amazing. Um, I, you know, it's crazy because like, I probably grew up at, and, and I just learned to read, you know, at a normal sort of age. Can, and like, this is interesting to hear. What was it like, I guess, for you to first, I've never thought about this, finish your first book in English. What was that feeling like for you? It was great because I remember every word in the book. Right now I can forget it, but it was, uh, about the similar experience that the person who came from Africa and he did not know anything and he um, he he saw like snow coming and he said what is this and they told him it's just called snow and he said we never seen this back home and also he was talking about the gloves and he said um, someone give to me like with something with five fingers so that makes me laugh and it, it helps me to finish the book right away. And I was like, oh, this is like where I am right now. <laughs> it was awesome. How was it like assimilating into the um, like cross country and track team there? Was that, was that challenging at all? I think 
So my um, cross-country and track team was like a part of my family. So this, this people helped me a lot in my life. I'm here because of them. So every time I'll go to practice, they'll come to my house and take me to practice with them. And everything they do, it's like they have done a lot, even their family. So I feel like this people makes me feel so much better about myself during that time. That's awesome. Uh, what do you, I guess, remember about just the success you were having? And uh, did you pick up that competitiveness like right away? Again, like the last time you competed was at World Junior Championships, but now all of a sudden you end up in high school races. Was it, did you find that fire again right away? Yes. So as soon as I get to there and I said, like, this is like when I went, like, where I want to go back again. So I had to work hard in school and compete. I had to be good in both. So um, I, I, I'll say I, I get that energy right away when I see and like wearing uniforms for um, for my high school again and also have to go back to school and like learn about new things. I was so excited and working hard. Even um, I went asked if you if I get like enough slips or something. So I, all I want to do is to uh, work um, hard in both and do something big. So I was just like running in the morning. Sometimes I would run early in the morning, so like wake up five o'clock in the morning, get ready, um, get it done to practice, catch the bus by eight o'clock, going to school, get out from um, school by five, and going to work from that. So. I was working part-time job and I would work until midnight sometimes. What was the uh, job? I was working at the grocery store as a cashier. And from that, I'll come back home. So I would walk until our house. So it was like, it wasn't far, but I would walk during the night and do my homework. It doesn't matter how late it is. And then I have to do the same thing the next day. So that's like, I just, when you have something and when you get home, you don't just feel tired. You know, you just keep going. It's amazing. It, it, you know, it's so interesting to, to learn all of this because when, from the outside looking in, we kind of just see, you know, she was super talented on the track, did well at World Juniors. It only made sense that she would be good and become a high school national championship. But we don't realize all these crazy hours that you put in. So that's the one thing I want to talk uh, about or I want to tell people. So, yes, you might have a talent. You might have something that gifted to you. But it doesn't come without hard working. So you have to do all these people that we are seeing in the top level. And then we are saying, ah, oh, these people are so lucky. They're not, they work hard, hard for it. So you, we have to know what they came through, what they have done in their life. So to me, yes, I was talented in running, maybe. So, but like I put all the works that I want to do in running. I might not be perfect some days uh, to put all the works that needed, but I try my best. And um, the other thing you want to know is just like, when you do something, it doesn't come perfect sometimes. You, you will feel like a lot of the times, even more than you have accomplished something, you will, um, like failures can happen. But you get up, you keep going. So that's what I learned all like about running about school. Um, as I said, I'm not perfect. I'm human, just like you. Um, I have felt so many times in my life. And the next day, um, I just get up and do something. And I, ha I, I start building from the bottom again. When you fail a couple times, like in this entire process, because it's not perfect, what did you tell yourself about those times when you really wanted to kind of 
tell yourself like this sacrifice that you made to leave your home country to go there and learn something totally new why why was it worth it so for me as i said um my life was a lot of up and down so i i never talked about this but um i lost my dad in 2000 almost 2001 he was in the military so and what i think is my dad was fighting to um to get freedom or to save his country but in the time there was no hope just like he doesn't know he's going to survive or not but he had that energy yes they can do it but we can't get freedom for our country so why not for me it's like it's nothing to compare with it. That's like all I think. And um, when like I see these times that I was um, so like I, when I was with my mom, like a lot of things that happens. And I see growing up with my mom, she was like super strong woman, and she um, she would say like she fell, but she said like then don't fear with the failures. So just like keep going. That's like what she teaches me. And coming up here and like. Even when I fell a lot of the times, I realized, you know what, this is gonna pass. And I'm gonna do something, or I'm gonna, like, if, if I fear or I give up with the failures, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna stay in the same positive, I'm gonna be like um, the same person that I used to be a long time ago. So I have to build something, I have to do it a different way. So this is the things that keep um, to help me to keep going. And um, the things that happened to me here, the things that I used to do here, even if it was hard, I'll say that's nothing to compare what I have had when I was back home. So I just say, this is like, this is the things that gonna help me to grow. This is the things that gonna help me to get stronger. And I'm so thankful that I experienced everything because um, if those things that won't happen to me, then I won't do it. Like I won't be a different person today. We're about to touch on sort of like the college chapter of your life, but that idea of just like going to college wouldn't have been really a thing if you had gotten back on that plane and gone back to you know life in Eritrea. How often do you? find yourself thinking where would your life have been if you got back on that plane well i would say so to me coming to college i would say it's the easiest part of my life but going to back home and being in that plane i don't know am i being survived or not or am i the um living in the poverty and still suffering with my family. That's why you will see me. But here, going to college, and I would say a lot of people might think it's like hard because they this is the first time they're getting responsibility, going away from their family and stuff. But for me, college was the easiest part of my life. And I enjoyed it so much. What was that process like uh, when you decided on New Mexico and then you get there and then, I mean, to really, you know, kind of compile it all to, together, 13 All-American uh, honors, two-time NCAA champion. What do you, I guess, remember most fondly that, that you love about your time at New Mexico? It's been an amazing um, years since I got here because um, first, when I got here as a freshman, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this happened to me. I'm just going to school with these people, just like a normal person. And I, I realized that it's like nothing impo like impossible. And I, I feel like this is gonna be a lesson or an example for all the um, young people here. So when I got here, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I just cannot process it. And freshman year, I was just like, try to, um, get used to all over again the college and um, running but as I said it's it's not harder than what I have experienced in my life so and from that 
sophomore year and it's been amazing and i had to um go back in that competitive energy and um team bond and also um i just like um met a lot of people here that support me through my journey and it's just like an amazing um opportunity and what i remember um the best moment and uh, here is during my freshman year um there's a lot of great memories but during my freshman year uh we had a great team of women so we had an interview before national um so they asked me uh what place i'm gonna get i said top team because I know it's I know it's like different tra transition um a lot of great runners out there but I said I'm going to be top 10 and they said what but also what I remember is we all said we're going to win as a team first place and we did it and that was amazing and we had a few tears like after we finished the race because we figured out we won first place but that's like the one moment that I will never forget yeah, and, and then eventually you do you end up getting like the individual title as well, just over over time. I could kind of like tell, I guess when when you didn't, I guess when it gets to like your junior year, um, and you were coming closer and closer to to like the uh, the title, you could see sort of like that competitive energy that you had, where you're like, I need to be first. When did when did when did you flip that switch to go? Okay, top ten was nice. Now I need to be number one. So. Um... Well, so I, so when I get here, I see it, it's like a different level. So um, sometimes you want to achieve something really quick, but sometimes you have to step back and say, like, this year I'm going to do this, and next year I'm going to accomplish something bigger. So um, this is like what I learned in college. So you have to um, take the small steps to, um, get the bigger teams. So, like, for example, I said, like, top 10. But a year later, I wouldn't say with the same goal. I said, I'm going to be, like, in the top three today. So that's how I do it every day. And it helps me uh, to keep going and, um, like, achieve bigger things and also to not hurt myself. Because if I would say, I'm going to be first as a freshman, that would be hard. And I will, like, of course, I'm going to work, like, super hard for it and then hurt before I get there. So this is this why I take small steps to go, like, to the bigger state. Running for the United States and the idea to do that, when did that first pop into your head? Well, this was in my head since I came here. So this is like, I've been saying from a long time ago. Um, I was watching Mipsleski, as I said, uh, when I get to the city and get access to the internet and TV. And I said, this is what I want to do. And I came here, I get a chance um, to stay here. And also, um, yeah, I have told like everyone else I'm going to run for the United States and you're going to see me in that uniform. When you got to meet Meb at the Foot Locker Cross Country Championships for, was that the first time? What kind of conversation did you guys have? Yes, that was the first time. It was amazing. So um, I knew he's going to come uh, because my high school coach told me about him and I was so excited and um it's amazing because I did not know that he speak um, Tigrinya, my native language. So when I get there and I was so excited to meet him and like we were in the dinner and I saw him walking, I ran into them and there was like his wife and his kids. So he um, talked to me in Tigrinya and but I asked him for advice what I can do because I have no idea whether to run professionally or going to school so he um that was a great advice he told me that going to school first so mm -hmm. that was amazing and also um i had a dinner with them um and then it was 
amazing just like to find someone who speaks Tigrinya in your mother language and um, have a good um, role model, you know? Mm -hmm. You just signed that professional contract with Under Armour and you're training uh, in Flagstaff. So now as a professional, you can collect prize money and you can go to all these races. You've talked about how when you were taking up these jobs, uh, you know, while you were, you know, in high school, your mind was always just sort of like helping your family sort of back at home. Is there anything in particular you want to do now that you have, you know, the professional contract and looking ahead, once you start winning prize money and stuff like that, how is it that you want to give back to sort of your family? So this is going to be the first part that I will do. So um, the first thing that I would wish is to see my mom because um, that's been very hard to um, live in two different worlds <laughs> and I haven't seen her for a while and this is, will be a dream come true to um, bring her here or going to see her somewhere else I don't know and also from that I want to see them like have a good life not what the life that I had I have had um, and I am lucky that my brothers are um, very understanding what I do and they're very uh, committed what they do. Um, one of them is, um, it's like in college, he, it's like impossible to make it um, to college back home, but he is in college. So I want to help him with his life, but also not only my family, I want to help the, um, the people, um, lives in the poverty and the people, the young um, women and men that been struggling with their lives. So I can't wait to give back for the community and like everyone needs help because um, I'll say if I had no help from these people around me and I wouldn't be the person who I am today. So um, a lot of things we might not, we, like we may not understand this, because um, when you get something, you forget what you have come through. But um, a small things gives hope for the people who lives in the dark. So that's like what I want to inspire people and give back um, for the young people that have like a big dream. They want to support their dream. Amazing. I know it's like watching track and field like to, to be able to find it sometimes can be hard. Like you need sometimes like a flow trap subscription, you need a runner space subscription, uh, NBC and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's hard to watch, you know, live unless you have all these subscriptions and that kind of stuff. But the Olympics are something that get broadcast worldwide. What do you think it would mean? Like, this is still kind of, we've got a process to go through. You still need to, you know, become a U.S. citizen to compete at the trials next year and then maybe finish top three and, and then make the team and that kind of stuff. But down the road, it doesn't have to be next year. It could be a world championships or something in the future. What do you think it would mean for your family to turn on a TV someday and see you wearing, you know, the USA kit and, and competing at the biggest stages in the, in the sport? I think it will mean a lot because – um, I've been telling them this from, um, I'll say since I was um, literally like five, six years old, they will tell me that you were saying that I'm going to be here one, one day. So I have no idea what I was going to do, but I will tell them like, I'm going to be in the TV one time. So this is going to be like a dream come true for my family just to watch it and they will say like here she is so it's amazing but i will say um not only from my family but from everyone else and the um the grow up in the town in the village inside like in eritrea outside of eritrea every single person will get inspired and i feel like this is going to be um 
I've I've had so much fun like hearing so much of this story where you know I just feel like it's a, it's a Disney movie or or like a or at least a book like in the making. Have you ever given thought to someday down the road someone has to tell this story for 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 more people? Yes. So you know what? Um, when you do um, interviews like podcasts and other stuff, you don't have time to go deeply into the story. But what I want to do is. Um, I want to write a book for young women and men to inspire them. And also, um, it will be awesome to do it as a movie that they can see it visually. Sometimes reading can be boring if you're not interested. So I want to make it, and I'm very sure that it will inspire people. It will make them cry when they watch it. It will make them laugh too. It's both combined. So, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, let's get Disney on this. Um, all right, final questions that I ask every guest. First one, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on letsrun.com? <laughs> oh, wow. I, I did not know. So to be honest, I don't go back and watch all the, the media stuff, and I don't check the um, comments and stuff. That's good. Then that's totally fine. Because sometimes they can be really mean. <laughs> yeah. So like, if if they're they're being mean, I just let them be mean because this inspires both things. So like, the people who support you, the people who are against you, they both are good to um, support your journey because you're running to make happy for the fans. You're running to make them. Yes, I am here. Just say bad things about me for the other people. So. Um, to be honest, like I don't read them, but um, I think last year was like they were talking, I don't know, about the, like I started finishing and like it looks like um, they were talking, oh, like why did, um, so this, this is funny. So this guy write down and he said, why did New Mexico come to compete in this race called Trump? And that mean, he thought that we are from New Mexico, not New Mexico State. Huh. But let the fans responded. And one fan said, you need to learn about all the 50 states in the United States to say that, which makes me happy. I laugh. So <laughs> this right. is the thing that you will see sometimes. But to be honest, I, I didn't even watch my interviews back. It's fine. It's that's totally cool. I put them there for the people, so they're gonna watch it and talk about it. So no I like it. Second one, I ask everyone, what's the funniest drug testing story you have? Oh, it's funny. So um, I think that has to be after nationals, after the nationals thing. So I went there, and it's so funny. I was just waiting and waiting. And it didn't happen for until midnight, so I couldn't sleep. <laughs> so I, I feel like this is funny because during other times you dehydrate, you get to like you bathroom like a lot of the times. But when you when you need it, it's like hard to. Um, so I, I feel like that's like funny, and then also like people ask me, <laughs> "Do you take anything, or do you use anything that like?" I'm like, and I'm like. I eat my injuries. So it's so funny. So the lady laughed because she probably doesn't know what injuries means, but it's our traditional food. Um, every East African runner, if you ask that, they will, uh, they love that food. Mm -hmm. so. If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anybody, it could be, you know, a celebrity, it could be, you know, they don't have to be a professional runner. Who would you go on a run with and where would it take place? Wow. This is hard because you know what? I love every single runners. And so like every single celebrates because I just, um, I'm just like very passionate what they do. So it's hard to pick one person. <laughs> um, wow. I I just really don't know who to pick. 
Where but, would where would you go want to go on a run though? Where? Where? So probably here in Los Angeles. Okay. I don't know. Like if it be if it have to be outside of United States, then it would be in France. Okay. I like that. And then the last one has nothing to do with running. It's if you get twenty five basketball shots from half court on a you know, regular sized basketball court. And if you make one of those shots, you win twenty five million dollars. But mm-hmm. if you don't make any of the shots, you go to jail for twenty five years. Would you attempt the shots? Well <laughs> I think I will do <laughs> practice for first. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, I think yes, because I would say like one out of 25, why yeah. not? I think it can do it. <laughs> I like your confidence. I like it. Um, Wayne, thank you so much for doing this. This is uh, so much fun. And, and I'm glad that we get to share your story with, with more people out there. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully that inspires a lot of people. Thanks to Wayney for the awesome conversation. Honestly, I think there really could be a good movie made out of her story thus far. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to shout us out on your Instagram story, tag at SidiousMag and I'll be sure to repost it. Subscribe to the SidiousMag newsletter to get all your running news in your inbox directly from me. Again, if you want to keep this show going strong in 2021, throw us a couple bucks on Patreon or pick up some cool merch. You can find the links to those in the show notes. That's all I've got. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. It's 2021. Let's make this a good year.